And you're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast, Season 2. This is Episode 7. What does it actually mean to deal with one's demons? We're titling this episode, Demons. Uh, punktheology.com. What are we doing here? Punktheology.com is the best way to get that question answered. Get in contact with us there. You can be like Carlton and be an actual... Patreon Sinner Saint. Patreon Saint. Patron page. Patreon page. Be a patron. Punk Theology. Did I crush that intro? <laughs> Probably not. Bunch of punks? Guilty as charged. And if you're curious as to who that is playing in the background, that would be the band formerly known as Johnny Peabucks and the Swingin' Utters. And now it's simply swinging udders. To hear the promo bumper music we play on the podcast, search Punk Theology on Spotify. Hear the music by following our playlist. If you like the bands, follow the bands. And get notifications on vinyl merch or concert date reminders when they come to your town. Again, search Punk Theology on Spotify. Bitches. I wanna hide the truth, I wanna shelter you, but with the beast inside, there's nowhere we can hide, no matter what we breed, we still are made of greed, this is my kingdom come, this is my kingdom come. We're going to go ahead and talk about demons today. Demons. Demons. So, talking stick. Yeah. Fuck. No, go, go, go. Yeah, hold it up. (laughs) (laughs) So, I've I've been having issues with my memory recently. Um, When I say recently, it's... I've noticed more in the past, like, three to five weeks. Um, I'm back to, like, blacking out. Um, the other thing is I'm hallucinating a lot and it's not like, it's weird. It's not like, I don't see people, um, but they're like figures. They look like people. Um, I hear a lot of, a lot of shit too. Um, anyway, so over Does the, this happen at night? Can I ask questions? Like, I'm yeah, you can curious. ask questions as much as you want. So, uh, uh. Does this happen at night, or when or is it triggered by a certain time um, of day? Or I don't, I don't know if it's a particular time of day. Um, I've noticed that it happens the more I get like, so I don't sleep very well to mm-hmm. begin with. Like I'll sleep, but it, like I wake up and I'm still just tired as I went to bed. Right. Um, and so as that progresses, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. As far as like the seeing shit or the hearing shit, it's kind of sporadic throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't necessarily would say it's at night. More than daytime. Does kind stress of bring it on or anything like that? No. I'm sure it does. I'm not okay. real positive on how. Um, like, work's stressful. So is my home life. So, it's, like, it's all equally stressed for me right now. Right. Um, yeah, so I don't... I'm not real sure. Um, but it's, it's really weird. Like, today I was listening to my headphones... And I turned them off in my desk and pulled them out of my ears. <clears throat> and I kept hearing cars like pull up in the driveway. I'm the only one in the office. Oh. There's nobody coming or going. Like it's not like someone's driving down the the driveway or anything. I mean it was they were pulling up into the the office. And I'd get up and look and nobody's there. And so it just got to the point where I just put my headphones back in. Um so have you ever done a sleep study? No. It'd be interesting. Well, the reason I ask is is my wife has ex- had experienced similar symptoms because she wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she had her last surgery, she went into serious hallucinations. I mean, the Grim, Grim Reaper was coming out of the bathroom afterwards. And they put her in a... In a turned her bed alarm on and he told her, her her doctor said you're not it's not a psychotic break because you know that it's a hallucination but he says I seriously I'm going to put you on sleep meds because she wasn't sleeping yeah and she hasn't had anything since I'm just curious have you talked to your primary care physician no oh. not yet this I mean it's are you aware that it's a hallucination when it's happening or is it kind of more like a breakdown of reality um well, the the it's tough because sometimes yes, and other times no. Like I was, um, I went hiking up at um, where the hell did I go? I was in the Cascade Mountains. Alone? No, I was with a friend. Okay. Um, but I was in the front hiking up. Just we went to this lake, and <clears throat> it's a decent hike. It's like nine miles or so. Um, anyway, the on the way out. I was just walking in front and I just kept seeing shit like it was like people walking with me and it wasn't it did that particular moment it almost was like yeah like they are just walking in the woods like I didn't understand if it was a hallucination or not they look like regular hikers well it's all out of the peripheral oh where I'll see a lot of it (coughs) so when I go you know it's I keep turning to look like there's nothing there it's woods is it visual and audio yeah they say anything Mm mm-mm they, uh, no, it's just noises. I think you actually talk to your primary care and do, do a sleep study. Because you might yeah. have sleep apnea. Yeah, sure. sleep apnea does that. Because yeah. you, you're not sleeping. No. Yeah. And then you start dreaming during the day. Sleep apnea killed Carrie Fisher. That's how she died. Sorry, I didn't a combination know. of uh, ambient right. and sleep apnea. She, and she was on an airplane. Cocaine? cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drugs? I don't like cocaine. <laughs> she was... She's a, she, in and out of recovery. I tried to have her on my podcast when she was in Seattle, but her people never called me back. Um, but yeah, she does a lot of work, uh, talks on recovery, being in the recovery field. She's sort of a, an outspoken person on, you know, getting sober and stuff. So it could have been, you know, but, but that's what was in her bloodstream from what I understand was ambient and she had sleep apnea and just stopped breathing on the plane. And the, the drugs kept her from waking up, which is what we normally do. Or it could just be that I'm crazy. No. You're not. I don't think you're crazy. 
Probably. No, you're not crazy. Well, yeah, you, you we're know. all a little crazy. <laughs> you wouldn't be my friend if you weren't like a little crazy. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. Just more like, um, how does like how you, how do you feel when it's happening? It's usually scary as fuck. When it, when it, especially right oh. when I come to realizing that it's been going on. How like, long does it take you to? How long does it go before you realize what's that's not there? Um, so today it was probably half an hour or so. I mean, I got up. I kept getting up to look to see who was coming into the office. This is, I mean, it's just ludicrous. But yeah, I mean, it was probably about a half an hour before I actually realized that this is just my brain. So you haven't seen a doctor yet. Is that a fear thing, or is that just a convenience thing, or? Um, no, it's part part fear. Mostly, just it's the timing. It's just, I mean, it's been going on for a while, but it's I'm just now starting to really connect a lot of dots. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's now I'm, like I really need to go see somebody, get help, right. more help than what um, my. Triple A friends jumping, <laughs> jumping my broken down car. That's is, the analogy. Is it is it the kind of thing where it's been going on for a while and you're just now becoming more cognizant of it? Is it one of those? It could things? be. I mean, um, I've talked about you know last year after I got done with White Raven, I talked about how much I was didn't understand the blacking out was not normal. You know, and that had been for fucking years, decades. I mean, forever for all my life. Um, where I'm at now is that's the scariest part because I started doing it more again. Disassociating. Blacking out. Blacking out. Mm-hmm. And I had stopped after White Raven. For a bit, yeah. Can well, you just can you describe that? Um, I mean, when you black out, what's in your head or not? I mean, you just like... No, like it's just... Taking a nap? It's just, yeah, it would be like going to sleep. And that's... Uh, I'm trying to remember the last time... And that's a lot of times too. Like I'll wake up in my bed, and that's me like coming back too. You never experienced that driving. No, but I have well, been in the grocery store though, and come to and like, what the fuck am I doing here? You don't remember going there? No. Is there like because before, and I'm just saying because. Um, You've talked about it before, so it's out there where there's like a disassociative personality attached that you sort of dealt with through the White Raven experience. Mm-hmm. And is there another personality attached to it that you? Well, see and that's or? when I I've done some reading on disassociation. Um, they call it DID, dissociation identity disorder, which has really just taken over the whole multiple personality yeah, yeah. disorder. It's a different name for it. Yeah, it's the same shit, just wrapped in a different package. Um, I don't know if I necessarily would say I have, like, multiple personalities. So just reading through some of the crap, it's like, you know, like, you can't hold down a job. Well, I have a, a decent job. Uh, I have a family. I don't normally get fired from my job. So, like, okay, I'm okay there. You know, it's I don't have, like, weird... Well, there are weird instances where people have come up to me and I don't know who the hell they are, but yet they know who I am. Um, and so there's that aspect, but... They always refer to me as, like, Chuck, and they remember me as how I interact from my personality, like, from my perspective. So it's not, like, another 
personality. It's not like I'm fucking Mozart or something. Like it was thing. really weird the other night when you started talking Latin in this really deep place. <laughs> yeah. um, but it is interesting, too, though, because so <clears throat> there's been times where beer gets spilled on it's the water. Oh, or water. Water gets spilled. <laughs> um, there's been times where the next day, like I'll be talking with my girlfriend and the next day we will have a conversation about something that happened at night and I have no recollection of it and it's, she explains that I'm talking in a um, like a childlike voice wow. and what she describes, it almost sounds like I was dreaming about being molested and she was, like I was just using audible was it words or whatever it was, making noises and she woke up and started interacting with me and I was talking to her. But she always described it as just being like this little kid. Wow. And so that that part kind of freaks me out because it's like, oh, maybe I do, but it only comes out in certain aspects. So it's, I don't know. When my wife was experiencing her severe hallucinations, she talked like a little kid Yeah. to me. Was she hurt as a kid or she have abuse in her history? I, we don't know. I mean, I don't, she just says she doesn't, I've asked. She doesn't remember any of it, but it, again, I, I depending on our title of fear demons, I wouldn't consider that. I would, my, my gut is that fear might be, but the, I would just say my limited experience is, dude, you're sleep deprived. Well, what, what I hear you saying, Steve, is maybe start with the simplest explanation first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe start with this instead of scaring yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like it's some deep rooted thing. But I also, you know, it's and I always use this analogy, and sometimes I hate like I overuse it. But it's so the simplest answer is the or the you know simplest answer is the solution. Well, for test purposes, it, it's really simple for me to just write C for all the answers. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the simplest thing. Pick one and do it all. Are you going to get them all right? No, but you'll get it. You could. No. You could also get them all wrong. You know, so it's like, well... Razor is only a good place to start. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a way to live your life. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the AAA analogy a few minutes ago, and I wanted to go into that a little bit, because that's something you shared on the thread, an analogy about that dude that you see on the side of the road with the hood up in traffic. I'm unpack some of that, how that feels like you were. Well, it's, I thought that was a good analogy. You've, you've seen that guy. You know, you're mm -hmm. blowing down the freeway and you just, you, time slows down for you because you're looking because you've felt that. You know, it's the guy sitting on the side of the road, smoke pouring out of his car. He's sitting behind it, helpless. Mm -hmm. He can't fix his car. Potentially, he has nobody to call to help fix his car. What do you do? You yeah. fucking walk? You have to rely on other people. Yeah. You drove by. Mm -hmm. you, you know, he can't rely on anyone. Yeah, I think it was what, what you were saying about, and I feel that, like, like feeling like the guy, instead of calling for help or something like that, you just sit behind the car with your hands Hand, in your yeah, head. Yeah, you just put your head in your hands and just fuck, fuck. you know. But I think that shame has a lot to say in that, too, because I've felt that, too, for years. I used to be this kind of tough guy with this fucking... I hated victims, you know? Like, don't call me a fucking victim. I'm not a victim. Um, 
And, and really, in those times, I felt like that guy just sitting behind my car when everything was falling apart. Not because I, I couldn't, I had too much pride to ask for help. I just sit there with my heads, you know, my hands are just fuck. And it's cool to see that you're not there anymore. At least now you're, you're, you seem to, you're moving forward. You're like you're identifying as you. Right? You're, yeah, you acknowledge the fact that <laughs> some shit broke down the side of the road. Right? What does that have to do with demons? I don't know. Maybe it's a Dodge Demon that broke down this other road. Anyway, Derek's got the... T- the Derek... Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. We, don't, we don't have to do intros for the podcast. <laughs> right. Um, sorry. Uh, so this is... Visuals. This is how I usually end up when I'm in a spot like that. Is me and everybody in my family, at least all the kids, tend to have uh, avoidant personality disorders. Mm-hmm. And that something shitty goes hap- goes wrong and we both, we, like our first response is like, well, maybe if I ignore it, I'll just go. <laughs> right? Um, and, and I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going on, but when I've been in similar, similar situations where something's clearly wrong, uh, sometimes it takes me a long time to get around to getting help just because, like, I don't have the energy to even think about it, much less do anything about it. Is that anything that, do you think that's present at all? Not necessarily not having the energy to. Um, I just, for me, it's always just worst case scenario. You know, it's what if, okay, so, sure, I'm sleep deprived. And I get a pill, and I sleep better. Okay. Like, if I gotta take a pill every fucking day for the rest of my life, like, that blows. But, that's pretty easy to not have to worry about, like, thinking you're crazy. Right. However, to me, it's just as likely to be fucking crazy and my I allow myself to just go to the extreme as far as okay I'm crazy that's fine you know I have whatever fucking letters or diagnosis the doctor wants to have and he gives me the pill the same pill that I'm going to take for the rest of my life and it helps or fixes me fixes that aspect of it but now I'm an asshole like, I don't want to be who I, that person is. You know, you talk, you listen to these kids that are on, like, what, like fucking Adderall medicine or whatever, and they hate the way it makes them feel. You know? Not you, all of them. Yeah. No, but there are some. <clears throat> well, I, well, what I was going to ask is, are, are you open to pharmacology if it is more than sleep deprivation, if it is some kind of mental health thing that you need to mitigate? Yeah. And is it that stigma with mental health diagnoses? And I've struggled with that myself. Because it is stigmatized, especially like there's the field of psychiatry and the field of psychology. Often the field of psychology demonizes medication, but it's like for a lot of people, it really helps. Like it really is useful. And it's always that analogy of, you know, if you were diabetic, would you take insulin? Well, yeah. (laughs) If you had high blood pressure, would you take a beta blocker? Well, yeah. So why wouldn't you take medication if you have some kind of imbalance? Of course, the problem with that, and I understand the critique somewhat, is... It's usually with uh, with mental health conditions is they're throwing shit up against the wall, seeing what sticks. They're not really going into your brain chemistry. They're not doing MRIs. It's usually just done by questionnaires and intakes. And yeah. this, so it's a guessing game, and that's where I think part of the demonization comes from. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it, it can help. And it's it, so... I, I think it's still stigmatized, unfortunately, but, but coming to that 
realization that you might need it. I mean, what's do you have peace in that, or is it? I wouldn't say I have peace in it, but I'm willing to try. Hmm. You know, it's I'm. I don't have a problem going to a doctor and talking to them to figure it out. And I've been then, on four pills a day for forty years. And I'll be on them for another forty years. Yeah. It's, well, how it's, are you? <laughs> yeah, right? I'll be forty years. I'll probably be on a few more. Forty years. But if it makes you feel normal. Or, or, or um, close to normal. Or as close okay, to normal. So, well, yeah. So then this is the other part, too, that it's... <laughs> and I don't know why... I don't know why I allow myself to go there still, but it's like, I fucking want Magic Jesus, though, to fix it. I get that, dude. Yeah. I do. I, I get still that. Just, it's like, no. Fucking fix it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Magic Jesus wants you to fix it. Maybe magic Jesus doesn't exist. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> or it it's done through natural means. Yes, you know, yeah, that's like, kind of where I was yeah. No, and that's yeah. God can fix people to get into medical science to study brain chemistry and Maybe you need science Jesus. <laughs> science Jesus. Maybe I need Seattle. shaman Jesus again. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Well, Shaman Jesus, I mean, it's the same kind of thing, you know, where you're still looking for an external kind of spiritual thing or an experience. When I'm not downplaying yeah. that. Like, I, I look for that stuff my, myself, and I'm actually in the middle of grappling with, with an aspect of that to kind of hope that it might heal some of my ills or close the gap with what I haven't been able to close in the therapy I've done. And... Uh, it's like some hope in this like experience or this thing that, oh, maybe that will be the thing that helps or that brings me as close to whole as possible. I, I don't actually exper- expect to experience full wholeness, but, but as much as possible just for my mental health and sanity and well-being, like, hey, this might help close the gap. Um, so I think we go looking for this stuff like it's uh, like kind of El Dorado or something, you know, like some mythical thing. It, it's just not there. But... I saw this funny meme. It was, uh, you know, it's that Jesus knocking on that door, and it was like, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, you know, hey, stop, uh, stop telling people that I have this, and this in quotation marks, and go to your doctor and get some medication <laughs> because, <laughs> because kind of like that's how God cares for us, is through, <laughs> right. is through yeah, medicine yeah. or your. And physician. there's a humility in that, too, <clears throat> which I I didn't like. I'm on a an antidepressant. Uh, now I've been on it for a little while uh, since what January December um, and it's and it's been it's been okay you know I've also been doing EMDR and uh, and I feel better um, I, I'm not having these spirals into not wanting to get out of bed and, and stuff like that so so it's been helpful I also don't want to be on it forever yeah um, why. Be, because if I'm just asking. part of it, part of it is is the study of, of medicine and, and and psychoanalytics and all that stuff, right? So there's a lot of modern psychologists that would say that most people don't need to be on on psychotropics for the rest of their life. Like we can be on it for a season to help us deal with kind of like EMDR. With my therapist Susan said, if you're going to do this kind of work, you should probably be on an antidepressant because it's really tough work and the, the medication will help you through it. Now, on the other side of the medicate, on the other side of the NDR or this, you know, what we're going through, 
is uh, <laughs> is uh, is is wholeness, or hopefully, or healing to the point where I don't need the meds. Now, if I need the meds, that's fine. But I'd like to live in a world without psychotropic meds. Are you on the same dosage as when you started? Um, that's what's interesting. I'm not really sure. You're not even sure if you're on meds. I'm pretty sure I'm on meds still. Yeah, but I don't a, know. So part I'm, part of about, study, I'm, I'm yeah. in a research study. So I'm not a guinea pig <clears throat> because this is a this is Trintelix. It's on the market. It's an antidepressant that's on the market. But they are studying it, and I'm part of a, a research program that does that. So not only do the pills not cost me anything, but I'm actually getting paid to take them. So they 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 I'm in the blind part of the study now. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. Is that hard? Not knowing? No, being blind and kind of um, because most of the time, like when you go see a therapist or a a doctor, they're like, well, maybe we need to adjust your dose. Yeah. That's I don't know what my dose is. But things are fine. Like, things are better. And I'm, you know, they sit me down and they do these questions. And I go, and I answer the questions, but is it the medication or the MDR? Like, I don't know. Um, but that's another thing that you brought up, John, that I, I, I'd like to explore, too. We talked about both and in the last episode. And some of shamanism, like what Amy did with Chuck... And how much of that is, yes, it's a spiritual practice and Native Americans have been doing it for hundreds of years. But there's also some evidence to the fact that getting past, like Derek said, that frontal lobe, sort of just questions and answers and talk therapy, getting past the reasonable part of your mind and going straight back to the, the lizard brain, yeah, where you're, where you're making your, there's stories and there's images coming to light and you're running through the forest and all of a sudden I saw David Lee Roth and and, <laughs> and, and George Burns, which was weird. Um, but there's something to that, like those characters showing up in, the, in my story. Through and, EMDR, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. through EMDR. So that's, that, that can be akin to shamanism, can't it? Yes. <laughs> and there is a lot of studies done, at least on EMDR. I don't think there's studies about shamanism. No, but there's studies on EMDR. Oh, yes. I would say that they're very similar. They can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they can be. I, I think that one of the differences is EMDR wouldn't pretend to be dealing with any sort of spiritual externals. Right, or energy or vibrations. You know, like I had an EMDR session where Derek and Rob Bell showed up. Like, right. it was kind of a trip, you know, and I've had other processes with... Like my dead grandmother, you know. I don't really think I'm talking to my dead grandmother. Or that Derek's really hanging out with Rob Bell. Or <laughs> I was a child. You know, that or, was kind of cool. Or say. it'd be pretty cool if you were hanging out with David Lee Roth and George Burns. <laughs> and only one of them's God, and it's not George Burns, by the way. But I'm a lifelong David Lee Roth fan. <laughs> but but uh, and I'm not sure what shamanism would claim either. You know, it, it's kind of more of those. Well, if it helps, cool kind of things. You know, maybe it was a spirit. Maybe it was just you. But who cares? Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's something to that kind of approach as well. But I can see there being similarities with it, kind of engaging a more primordial part of your brain and exercising it. Chuck, your brain's ripping you off. You haven't had any famous people show up in your hallucinations. I had Spaceman. Well, that was your personality, right? Maybe. You need somebody really badass to tell your brain to get on it. Yeah. (laughs) Noted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Spaceman is in a lot of movies. Huh? Do you snore? UFO movies. No. Hmm. That, that's usually a sign of like sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what are you going to do? I'm going to go home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, well, I called. Uh, Arthur gave me a telephone number um, of the that like therapist group of the specialist of the specialist that deals the there's a person in the group that deals with disassociation um so i'm it's wait Let's see what happens there because you back. try the mdr i did try mdr yes and one of the things they say is is like there's usually one type of person mdr doesn't help and it's people with disassociation disorder disorder yeah because if you keep disassociating while you're processing, then yeah. which is why White Raven helped is because they bypass that somehow. I don't brute force. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Amy talked about uh, feeling like you were uh, coming back, like you got better at coming back. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's um, when I was at the the weekend retreat, Rebecca talked about that too. She's um, it was. She explained it that I was just go from like one state to another instantaneously. So I would be just bawling my eyes out, talking about whatever the hell I was talking about. I think it, with Rebecca, I was just dealing with the hallway scenario when I was molested. Um, and then just snap, and I was holding my breath, not crying, just completely gone, just left. Um, and she said it. At first, it started for a couple of minutes, and then it was just it just kept getting less and less as we kept going through the process. So, part of the discouragement I've struggled with <clears throat> for myself is feeling like I've made some breakthrough or some headway. You know, like maybe it's cleared, and then only to find a time later that oh, there it is again. And you're smiling and nodding your head, like it, because yeah. I think you and I talked about this, where yeah, that's yeah. an area of discouragement of how long. I mean, yeah, what how the long heck? And is this just this the rest for? of my life? Yeah. And is it just a teeter totter, like a never ending teeter totter? And is is that part of the reluctance of seeking help? Is just like you know, this is just a fucking merry go round. That just is it that fear there that um, there's not a panacea or a silver bullet or or a fix. It's just kind of yeah. managing it, maybe. Well, that's all you are doing at right. a particular point. If it just keeps coming up, it's just management. But I, what does that do I to you like, inside? Like, is that like a, like a, you know, like a damn that sucks, or is it? Is are you at peace with that? Like, no, you, no, I'm not at peace with it at all. Yeah, I mean, it would be like putting a you know a thousand pound brick on you and say breathe, <laughs> right? You can pick that brick up maybe just enough to get enough breath to sustain life. I don't want management. Yeah, or maybe I do later, but make it be a fucking pound brick. I'm okay with that for management. Mm-hmm. But who's to say that? I don't know. Maybe it is only a pound. Hmm. Um. So I'll go into a, a demon for you. W- one of my demons, and this is something that we kind of targeted in the last EMDR session was. Um. The gray and the clouds, like there's something in me that still wants me to shit on myself or that keeps me in a a fog of 
I'm not really good enough. I don't really matter. Um, You're a prison warden. It's not, it's not so much that. Like, I feel like the warden is gone. I feel like the warden, and that's a big one, too, because the warden was, was kind of my abuser, right? Who was always this voice in my head that kept calling me a piece of shit and stuff like that. Now it's just more of a feeling and a fog. Um, and so finding tools, to use that word, because it seems like, like I, I feel like what you're saying, it sucks to have to get tools or have a fucking toolbox, right? Like, I just like to live my life without a toolbox well, when my sucks? cars broke down the side of the road where everyone's blowing by. Like, my car's faulty and needs a fucking toolbox and the hood open. I don't want, like that, <laughs> right? Well, like, it, it's, it feels like that. You, you, need to, you need a hammer and someone's handing me a fucking screwdriver. That's how I feel a lot of times, mm. too, especially with the EMDR. Like, I thought I was going to get, not the quick fix, because I know EMDR's hard work. But at least I was going to get progress. And no, you know, just. Well, again, the disassociation is the one sort yeah. of thing that. Yeah. Yeah. Are the blank spaces back up to the same frequency? Or are they less? I, I thought they were less. And it's, I don't know, really. Is that discouragement talking or is that actuality? Um, I don't know. Um, it's it's really hard. So I I had been planning to do a bunch of things for the kids. Um, and I, the oldest asked me about it. And I said, no, I haven't had time yet kind of thing. Um, and I did it. And like he found out, you know, and he's like, what are you talking about, Dad? Like all you have to do is finish. And I had no recollection of ever, you know, it's like I did a project 90% completion mm -hmm. and told them that when I get to 90%, we'll do the last 10%. And he was super heartbroken. And then he sees the fact that the project's fucking damn near complete. And he like thinks I'm just fucking with him. And I have no memory of doing any of it. How long, how long what was the time frame for all that? Do you know? It would have taken a few hours. And you were by yourself? Mm -hmm. But I can't even figure out when I did it. Is it mostly by yourself now, or is it happening in front of people? The only time I can think of, or times, is more by myself. I don't know if it's... Did it used to happen in front of people? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's at home? <clears throat> this last time, yeah. Um... I had kind of turned an interesting corner in EMDR where uh, I talked about some of my anxiety and depression and this phenomenon I hadn't experienced before until the past few years called anhedonia, which is like a diminished ability to, or an inability or a diminished ability to ex experience pleasure in things that you used to otherwise enjoy. Hmm. And it's pure hell. And, um, so there's people with PTSD or trauma have flashbacks, right? Well, there's this EMDR thing where uh, I've started doing that's actually kind of trippy and, and difficult, but I think effective, uh, where it's not focusing on flashbacks, it's flash forwards, where 
I'm terrified of this kind of vision I have of, of my future self mm. not being able to enjoy my life. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes someone could look at, like, in Anthony Bourdain or a Chris Cornell and, like, what? Them? Like, their lives are amazing. How could they? They have money. They have looks. They live a great life. They travel. They eat good food. They, you know, what? Well, imagine living that life and not enjoying it. Yeah. And I think I have an actually, like, amazing life, circumstantially. My wife is beautiful and supportive and amazing, and my kids are, are great. And, you know, I have a nice home, and I make a good living, and I have good work-life balance. Like, all this kind of uh, circumstantial stuff that you could just go down a box, like, check, 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 that guy has a lot to be thankful for, and I am... Well, imagine having it all and not, and being miserable. And I, and like for the first time in my life, I've experienced that. And so what I'm afraid of in kind of like these times of hopelessness that I kind of can fall into, not all the time, but I do have some bad days, mm. is that fear that, oh no, what if it's always going to be like that? And what if it just gets worse and worse? So in this, in this flash forward process, I'm like this old man with grandkids and good food and love and life and I'm just in hell because I'm in, un, unable to enjoy it and so I started working on that in therapy interesting and and that that's that's actually re relatively new but that that's an interesting thing to for my demons is uh it, it's not like like a like a past tense thing it's a future thing and it's a trip it, it's like my, my therapist is like oh my god like I've been looking for this kind of boulder and, you know, I thought it was your dead father. I thought it was maybe, you know, the, the sort of loss of your faith and deconstruction and reconstruction of your faith. And that's definitely part of it. But no, you're horrified of the possibility that you could live a life in misery and have it, like all the externals, be circumstantially good. But you're unable to enjoy it. Mm. And it's just something I'm horrified of. And uh, so um, it's been interesting working on it in a future tense sort of way um does it get worse as things get better <clears throat> good question uh <laughs> <laughs> I that's a question. great question yeah yeah yeah, the, the, yeah that, that's a great question i yeah. i don't because i don't know if circumstantially my life has really gotten better <laughs> it's it's been it's good like I, it's good but um maybe that's just the anodonia maybe I mean, uh, I, I don't make more money, <laughs> or, or like my house isn't nicer. Um, you don't have a toddler anymore. <laughs> no, but I have an anxious teenager. Trade. Yeah, my <laughs> one for one right there. Yeah. yeah, my my oldest daughter started, you know, coming to grips with some of her anxiety and depression, and so I'm kind of dealing with that. And I think I think that reflects something, and it almost causes me to spiral because I want to have resources for her and be present for her. That's the other thing that, that kind of bothers me about even, you know, we, we talk a lot, we're here to support each other and we have some good conversations, but, but when I'm kind of in my own therapy and my own process, it's, uh, it just seems so fucking self-absorbed. I'm just kind of sick of it. I'm just yeah. sick of like the self-absorption. I, I want to get out. I, I want to be of in therapy. You mean? Well, just of my mental health mm -hmm. of like, 
I don't feel like I have a lot of bandwidth for much beyond myself, my issues, <laughs> and my family and my closest <laughs> friends. Like, like beyond that, like, like what you want me to like help out poor people or needy people or uh, okay, I don't know. I, I'm sorry, yeah. and I have good work life balance. Like I work less than anyone else I I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, so so for for me, it's like I I'd like to get to a place of. Not perfection at all, but but enough of like, hey, I'm not as focused on myself and my shit and my demons, so now I have some bandwidth to actually uh, get outside myself and help other people. Yeah, I think that's the one of my biggest struggles when I'm depressed, is I just get sick of my own shit. Yeah, like yeah. I'm tired of myself. I'm tired of the fact that I that this takes so much, and then that I feel like shit because I feel like I'm being super selfish. Mm-hmm. I can tell everybody around me feels a, a bit, and it's like, I, I, yeah. Do you think other people feel that, or is that just your projection? It could be my projection. But, but yeah, I definitely don't feel like I'm productive. I'm out there changing things. <laughs> like, my sense of meaning yeah. starts to dry up. I, yeah. like, and that's such a huge part of what drives me in general, yeah. is my passion and my excitement and trying new things. And, and when I'm just stuck in this... You know, like I just gotta go home and sit again <laughs> and stare at my navel again. Uh, my sense of purpose dries up, and I and and then it's cyclical, right? Mm-hmm. So then my my sense of purpose is gone. So then I get more depressed, and so then I self-maintain more. So then it dries up more of my sense of purpose, and yeah, that's tough. Do you ever achieve content? Oh yeah. Yeah, like, this isn't every day. It's not all the time. Yeah. But on bad days, it, it's like Derek's saying, it's cyclical. And and on bad days, um, no. But but on good days, oh, contentment's great. Oh my god, like like when 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 you can actually have the gratitude, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's the best. Yeah. And that does draw you out of yourself. You don't feel so navel gazing. But so that's where meditations help me. Is like, geez, I I. Just the thoughts of gratitude and stopping and making myself. Did you go. say medication or medita- meditation? Meditation. Yeah, okay. meditation. Yeah, meditation. Because I see meditation on... is part of that navel gazing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Med- the, but you don't. You see, it as a way to kind of bring yourself out. No, because when I, when I uh, when I'm meditating on a certain thing, not just not just going into the whatever, just silence or breathing or whatever that is, and that's that's helpful too. Uh, sometimes I, I catch myself. I'm breathing. It's sort of becoming a habit for me now, which is kind of cool. Like I do it in traffic. Because sometimes I'll drive in Seattle all day, and it's rush hour, and and you know I'm I can feel the stress climbing in me. I can almost feel other people's stress as they're in a hurry to get someplace. And I met this really cool black dude down at the at the airport, and he was another driver. And he goes, you know, the coolest thing, the coolest exercise I do is I'm not in a hurry for anybody. <laughs> he goes, I don't let people rush me. I don't let people climb under my skin and make me hurry. Uh, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool, dude. And, and so that's that's a, that's a gratitude thing, too. Like, this is my job. I'm not going to get a ticket for, for Joe who didn't get a ride earlier or whatever his deal is, right? Um, but it takes me top having to stop and think about that shit for a while. Um Richard Rohr shared that study about uh, you know evolutionary biology and how the the negative shit sticks like yeah 
You know, and the positives like Teflon. You have to, yeah. You have to, you have to at least 15, 20, 30 seconds. You have to think about the positive stuff in order, in order for it to imprint on your emotions. Right. Uh, and that's been helpful, like super helpful for me it, to stop and think about gratitude. Some of that is from recovery groups. Like gratitude is a big one in recovery groups. Mm-hmm. Um, as a practice to get out of the navel gazing, because usually the navel gazing part is when people use. You know, they want to, fuck, I hate feeling like this. I hate that I'm not passionate. I need a fucking hit. <laughs> um, and then we relapse. So, so yeah, man, gratitude. But, again, it's a meditation, but it has a focus. Does that make sense? Like, it's, it's a, I'm going to sit up, hey, I'm, I own a house in Everett. I didn't even finish fucking high school. Like, <laughs> I got, I got some shit going for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not a total... You could liquidate that house and retire somewhere in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, I probably could. Exactly. Right now, it's worth geez, four hundred thousand dollars or some shit. So, do you ever feel contentment, Chuck? Or can you think of a time when you were content? Be it for a half a day, a couple hours. Yeah, I mean, it's from what I would say. I'm the opposite of what John would was describing. Whereas the when the amount of time that you're not content would be the amount of time that I am, particular times in my life. Mm. Uh, recently, so you have a lot of discontentment. Yeah. What yeah, what brings on the discontent? An event, an exchange with somebody. Uh... I don't know. I guess I've never really explored it. Never wanted to. How about you, John? What moves you out of contentment? Is it? In a, do you wake up in the morning discontented? Yeah, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's circumstantial. Sometimes it's triggered by stress, work stress. Uh, like I said, my my daughter's struggling with some stuff. I'm coming to grips with. Um, sometimes it's things that I, I'll ruminate over. Um, sometimes it's just like, well, you know, why don't I enjoy? things the way I used to. Um, you know, Derek and I were having this conversation this past weekend. One of the things we talked about was like freedom and how we thought of freedom. For, for, for me, freedom is how like the Buddhist, there's like this Buddhist idea of equanimity, which is not unlike the Christian idea of the peace that passes understanding. I'm not really wanting my life to be different or my circumstances to be different. But for me, the the hope is that I'm at peace no matter what my circumstances are. That doesn't mean I don't get stressed or depressed, but it means that um, that there's a certain equilibrium to the way I go through life. That's the hope, and th- those are the good days. But on the bad days, what I would say, and kind of using that, my deepest fears, my demon, or what I'm working through and realizing about myself is like that, that deep fear, is, is having a circumstantially good life and not being able to enjoy it. So you could be in the arms of Christ himself. And if you're miserable, what's the point? You know? Yeah. That's some scary shit. Yeah. You could be in a room with your best friends. Sounds like hell. Yeah, it is. That's yeah, hell, it's man. hell. It's, it's literally hell. And, and that's what I'm afraid of is hell and, and hell kind of continuing. It's literally the definition of hell, like in a Christian context. And, and I'm afraid of hell, I guess, like in, in that way of thinking about it. Um, so that's kind of what's coming home to roost in, in what I've been, been working through. Um, 
but to answer your question, Steve, I think sometimes it's just, it's a chemical thing. I think sometimes it's a circumstantial thing. Honestly, today, I woke up feeling horrible. I had a horrible morning, and by the afternoon, I felt great. It is, so sometimes it'll hit me, like I can go through waves in a day, you know, it'll, it'll cycle through. Yeah. And just, and I'm not taking any medication right now. I'm actually becoming more open-minded to it as I've been going through therapy for a year without it. By the way, the research suggests that for the most um, effective way to deal with mental health issues is to do therapy and medication, and medication combined. Yes. Like that's usually the most effective both and, not either or, right? <laughs> John, your point about switching through the day, I think that's been one of the biggest things for me lately, is if I woke up feeling like shit, I would just write off the whole day. And I would, <laughs> and I would define the day as feeling like shit. And getting to the point, finally, where I can, I wake up feeling like shit, and I say, okay, let's just, let's wait an hour, mm -hmm. and then we'll see what the day feels like. And that, just that little bit of a switch has completely changed. Let it cycle. Because, yeah, because I used to, you know, well, why was the day shit? Well, because I woke up in a shitty mood. Yeah, but what happened after that? Mm -hmm. All this good stuff, but... I wrote it off. But I wrote it off. <laughs> right? So what happened before that? What happened the night before? Uh, why did I wake up feeling shitty? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm like, you know, there's a million different variables. Sometimes it's just, just like recently. So I went and saw my. Pri I got a new primary care physician, um, and I've been taking this sleep medication, um, and it just hit me recently. I've been taking this sleep medication for like twelve years. Wow. Uh, and and I started doing some research on it. I. Just realized that it's an antihistamine, mm. and the long-term use of antihistamine, you know, memory loss, like, eventually leads to all this time, like, all this shit, and scared the fuck out of me. What were you on? Is it uh, <laughs> no, I mean, so, it's, uh, it's just the over-the-counter doxylamine sucanase, the blue pill, uh, okay. the other blue pill. The other blue pill. Yeah. Um, and, the uh, red pill, Derek. And, uh, yeah, I, uh. Uh, so and so I've started. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm yeah, gonna taper myself off. Yeah. But I've definitely stopped sleeping as well. So I wake up like fully awake in the middle of the night now. I didn't used to do that. So in general, I just haven't been sleeping as well. Uh, so that contributes a lot to my feeling in the morning. Yeah. Like I just wake up and I'm like, fuck, I'm tired. I feel like shit. Um, uh, yeah. And previously, I would have been like, this day's fucked. Like, like the whole day is already defined by how I feel right now, and that change has been significant. One one thing I'll, I'll do, Steve, to answer your question as well is, um, it, and kind of to Derek's point of not staying in that pit mm -hmm. and writing off the whole day or the hour, or you know maybe you have a good morning but the afternoon sucks, but you can still have a good night, you know, or, or whatever. Is um, a cognitive behavioral therapy? I, I do that in addition to my EMDR. Is tremendously effective uh, in terms of just being able to dig myself out of a pit a little bit. You have to do it though and that's that's the critique discipline, that's, discipline. that's the critique of yeah. CBT is that oh well you have to write stuff down and you know who's going to do that yeah. and I get it because you do you have to know I'm going to stop 
okay, how am I feeling? What's the thought? What's the cognition behind that? Okay, this, this, this is the, the drivel that's going through my brain. Okay, now what are the cognitive distortions? And once you learn the various distortions that you're prone to, you can identify them in your thinking, and then you can argue against them and combat them very effectively. But it, it takes time, and you gotta, you got to be able to do it. Uh, and you know when you're rolling through your day, it's not always easy to take 15 minutes to, to do that. But every time I've done it, it's it's usually tremendously effective. So there's an app you were talking about, right? There is an app. Um, I sometimes I'll just write it out. Oh, interesting. Uh, there's another exercise. I mean, some of the, I, I would recommend to anyone like the work of, of Dr. David Burns. He's actually a medical doctor. He was a medical doctor at, at Stanford, but he, he practices. He's one of the pioneers of CBT. He has a lot of self-help stuff out there. He has a great book called Feeling Good. He has this one exercise where you draw a stick man. It sounds dumb, right? Like childish. Like draw a stick man with a thought bubble. Now get some distance between yourself, your thoughts, and your feelings. What's the stick man feeling? Like kind of like he's you, but... Yeah. And then he's right. Like, okay, what's the stick man? What's going through his mind? Yeah. It's so effective to just yeah, get yeah. some distance of like, oh, that's what... Get that shit out of you. Get it out. That's yeah, what yeah. the stick man's feeling and thinking. Shit, that stick man has a lot of stress. No yeah. wonder he's not feeling well today. And then you can combat the cognition. So so I'll, I'll do that. But th there's a couple other apps... Um, Derek and I, I think he's one called Pacifica that's pretty good. There's another one I like called Thought Challenger. But uh, CBT exercises are, you have to do it. That's the thing. Don't, yeah, yeah. oh, I, I do it in my own head. Oh, no. You have to fucking write it down or else it just keeps sloshing around in your head. I'll second that too. That's been my experience. <laughs> and it's so weird. Because it doesn't feel like it should work. Right? It doesn't. That's, it that's doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Why? Yeah, that's the hardest part for sure. Is like, like there can't, there can't be a difference between you thinking it and writing it. Like it can't. It can't be like that. And then you do it like fuck. But except for it, you have two halves of your brain. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Because when you see it written down, you can kind of see the logic or the faulty logic in in your mm -hmm. in your. Or your negative cognition. And there's something about manifesting it too, mm -hmm. like making it solid that all of a sudden just clarifies everything. Chuck, did you want to land? The plane? I was. Well, I was going to have Steve land the plane. What's your demons? Or what were your <laughs> fear? Demons? Is my de fear are my demons? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a constant. It's a battle, um, and they're triggered by a simple comment from anyone, a look from anyone. Um, I'm getting much better at it. Uh, I used to be. I could not walk anywhere without looking around at everybody because I, in my head at that time, would spin it, what they, what are they thinking about me? Now I don't give a fuck. And I can walk past people and not look back. Yeah. But it is, the, it is fear. It's, and I was writing these down. Um, fear of, of failing, fear of um, not being liked, uh, fear of being embarrassed. Uh, fear of of um, disappointing. Um, a lot of these get into your value. Right? Yeah, your value yeah. Statements about yourself and how you. And I wake up the morning after, and I I, I use a just over counter. I leave PM. Uh, it's a it's a easy uh, sleep medication. But then I wake up in the morning stiffer than a. Yeah. Old man. Why? It's supposed to do pain and sleep, right? It does. And that's but you why still look up stiff? No. Oh, you no, don't? I don't. That's why oh. I do that. Mm. Uh, the fear of, of letting people down, mm. you know, and, and a lot of it is I'm, I, I, 
will ask, why am I feeling that fear? And that's why we've, why we've been my biggest um, achievement, beginning to understand, okay, what am I feeling first off? And then can, is there a way I can pinpoint why I am feeling that fear? What started that fear episode? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it is, I'll get flipped off at a, and drive them down the road. I'll get flipped off and I'll, that'll be a battle in my head mm-hmm. because I'll internalize that. Yeah, like it's personal or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm a a whole lot better at it. Or just a simple comment, I'll take it uh, wrong. I'll take it not as it's intended. I'll take it as I interpret it. Mm -hmm. And that's my that's my demon. So one question. Wait, one question. Because you you you're a dis. I I see you as kind of a disciplined guy. In, in the sense that you walk almost every day, right? Mm-hmm. In the morning. Is that like before work? Yeah. So you get up like early, oh, yeah. butt crack of dawn, and you're, you're walking on the, on the uh, coast or the, yeah. the Fort Gardner Bay yeah. right here. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. Like I, I, I dig that. appreciate that about you. Is, is there times when you feel like, fuck, I don't want to get out of bed and do that? But you do. No, anyway, do you have to more. make yourself do it? No. Did you have to make yourself do it at one point? Was it a discipline? No, for me that was a, that was an outlet. Um, it was my my me time. Okay. Uh, interesting is one of the things is there's people that you'll pass, and I would freak out if somebody wouldn't make eye contact with me. Now I say fuck them, I don't care. You know, that's what I'll I'll look. You know, I'll make eye contact, but if they don't want to make it with me, I'm not going to say hi. That cute blonde with those short shorts didn't make eye contact Damn. with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she made eye contact with your ass. So <laughs> you just said no. Well, that too. You know, that I, shady uh, character with that van with no windows, <laughs> with a darkly tinted window. He made lots of eye contact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe. To hear the bumper music we play on the show, search Punk Theology. Then, follow the playlist on Spotify. Wanna join us in being a punk theologist? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't check it out! First of all, I plead innocent of all charges. <laughs> 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 <laughs>